XV Planus is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. I've been at this for a few years now, and let me tell you, I have seen a lot in the short amount of time that I have been an active paranormal investigator. I've had staring contests with shadow entities, I've been followed by creepers, I've had more hitchhiking spirits than I can possibly count, UFOs that signaled us back, orbs that have flown right through me. And all of this is par for the course when you start pursuing the hidden corners of reality. But on occasion, if you're lucky, you may get an experience that is more moving than frightening. And in my humble opinion, these are the kinds of experiences that we should be pursuing, not the disrespectful fear-mongering that we see so often on television shows. Welcome to XV Planets. Greetings, friends and fiends, and welcome back to XV Planus, the podcast where we don't just talk about the paranormal, we put boots on the ground and pursue it in the field. Transmitting from the Black Lodge, as always, I am your host, Flood, and as always, I am very excited to be back here on the mic to dive further into the unknown, the enigmatic, and the just plain weird with you all. My apologies for the delay in releasing this installment. As most of you know, I've been in the middle of relocating the last few weeks, and it took me a little while to get the studio set back up, but we are good to go for now. We're going to get back to our coverage of Whisper's Estate in just a moment, but first, a few announcements. First and foremost, I will be attending Monster Fest in Canton, Ohio this weekend, along with Meg and Jill. While we are mainly there to support some of our friends who will be presenting or our vendors, we are also planning on meeting up with like-minded weirdos and maybe even do a little networking and investigating. So if you'd like to meet up with us during the convention, message us on any of our social media sites and we'll see if we can meet up with you. Next up, I will be spending this summer in my haunted hometown of Natchez, Mississippi, where I will be working closely with tour guides, investigators, and historians in the hopes of developing a new kind of paranormal tourism. This will likely take years to establish the way I see it in my head, but you can expect to hear a lot about this weird little town as time goes on. One of the individuals I'll be working closely with is none other than Scott McCoy of Natchez Ghost Tour, who you may remember from the three-episode opening of Season 3. If you happen to be rolling through Natchez this summer, be sure to check out Scott's tour, and you may just find me tagging along every now and then to share some of our investigation experiences. Lastly, I'm going to reshare this quick interview that I did with Luxa of the Luxa Cult Podcast about Babylon Rising, a Thalamic festival happening in Indiana from June 9th to 11th. Hey, Luxa, how you been? Hey, what's up, Flood? Not much. I'm kind of getting myself ready for all of the shindigs that we got going on over here in XC Planets for the summer, but I hear you got some pretty exciting stuff happening this summer, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, we're really excited about Babylon Rising, the Pantholemic Festival. So this is going to be happening in southern Indiana from the 9th to 11th of June. The 9th to 11th? Well, now I might have to go. I don't know. You absolutely should. It's going to be a really fun time. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff. Um, There's a lot of group rituals, planned performances. I'm told there's going to be a fire, which will burn throughout the entire event. And fire tenders there to keep it. Um, It's going to be primitive camping, clothing optional. And so, yeah, it's going to be a pretty wild time. 21 and up is the age limit there. Quite a few of the green mushroomists are going to be going to this event, aren't they? Yeah, we're really excited. We've got a lot of folks from the Green Machine server, people from Administrism, and the Green Mushroom Project are going to be presenting stuff. 
Um, we've been organizing our camp, Camp Chaos, and uh, really looking forward to all kinds of things about that. You should absolutely come join us at Camp Chaos. <laughs> I, I will certainly try. What are the dates on that again? The 9th through the 11th. 9th through the 11th. Okay, awesome. I'll be sure to uh, get the word out to everybody. Folks, for any of you listening, and I know that I have a lot of fans in Indiana, this is so for you. You should definitely go check it out. I will vouch for Luxa and all of our green mushroomists that are out there. They're fantastic people, and I've heard amazing things about Babylon Rising. I've never been able to make it myself. Maybe we'll change that this year. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be the first time the festival is being held since the pandemic. So we're really excited about it getting back going. This will be my first year attending as well. And I'm going to be presenting a few things there that I'm really excited about. Anything you can share with us? Yeah, my friend Joy and I are going to be doing a collaborative ritual together that we are titled The Middle Star, Alchemy from the Void. I'm also going to be presenting a hyper-sigil workshop, and people can kind of start their own hyper-sigils as a part of this. And I'm also going to be doing a demo of the tech that I invented to create haunted items using sound and sex magic. Yeah, well, you had me at uh, haunted objects and hyper-sigils. For those of you who have been listening to this show long enough, I'm sure everybody has heard that term before, and uh, I would definitely be interested in checking this out. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of like fun things. There's the Illuminati nighty party, the feast <laughs> of the beast. There's all, there's going to be a lot of really fun things. So people should definitely check out BabylonRising.com. And if they're curious to learn more details, I have a whole episode of the Luxacult podcast where I speak with Lorelai Black, Lon Milo Duquette, and Yara from Administrism Podcast about their experiences at Babylon and what people can kind of expect with all that. That is phenomenal, and I will be sure to have a link to that specific episode in the show notes as well. There will be a whole little section in the show notes, folks, for everything related to Babylon Rising and Lux's episode with uh, Lorelai. Yeah, Lorelai Black and Lon Milo Duquette and Yarmarud. I will be sure to get all that information out there. Indiana people, go out there and support this, and I know that some of my kinky witchy people are already on their way. Yes, Bring the come rest forth and get weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my people will definitely show up and they will probably uh, will probably come and track you down. Is there anything else that we should point out to the audience while we're here? Well, there is one more thing that we're excited about, and that's the Green Mushroom Project and We the Hollowed digital mixtape. Fuck around and find out. So if people are out there making weird music or esoteric sonic art of some other fashion and they're interested in contributing to our mixtape, please don't be shy. There will be some instructions on how to do that at greenmushroomproject.com or wethehollow.org. Fantastic. Yeah, and I've always loved your your audio projects that come out of the, the Green Mushroom. I think I might end up contributing to this one. We'll see. That would be great. You absolutely should. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Luxa, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, I will be sure to get the word out to everybody and weirdos, witches, go, go, yes, go, go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to speak with you uh, here in the Black Lodge. Absolutely. You're always welcome here. We'll talk to you soon. Alrighty, friends and fiends. What do you say we get back to Whisper's estate, huh? When we left off last episode, we had heard from Sonny about the beginning of the investigation and Lisa and Todd's overall perspective on the adventure. Throughout the course of that episode, I alluded to a strange occurrence witnessed by Megan and myself as being the pinnacle of activity for this investigation. 
Throughout the course of the two nights, it seemed like any time that we would set up an experiment, the phenomenon would shift to a different part of the house, almost mocking us, like, hey, I'm up here on the third floor. Get up here! All of a sudden, everything goes really quiet, and we start hearing things move around on the floors below us. We played this paranormal Marco Polo for hours. The cat and mouse game became slightly frustrating over time, so I decided to run an experiment on the second night to see if we could steer the phenomena to one specific area of the house. If our ghostly hosts were so eager to play hide-and-seek, then we would limit the spaces in the house that they could move to. I split the team up into three groups. Lisa, Todd, and Stevie would station themselves on the third floor and perform an Estes session. At the same time, Jill, Sonny, and Walker would be on the first floor running the same experiment. Meanwhile, Meg and I settled in on opposite sides of the second floor and went full dark, making it nearly impossible to see anything. As our teammates worked through their Estes sessions, I was hoping that it might funnel the activity in our direction. I was right. What we ended up experiencing, though, was nothing close to what we were expecting when we booked our stay at Whispers. What we did get may end up going down as one of the most beautiful and moving moments in my brief time in the field of paranormal research. At this point, I'd like to welcome Meg back to the Black Lodge to walk through what happened. Everybody knows Meg, and welcome back, Meg. <laughs> All right, so I, I wanted to take this opportunity to get uh, your point of view of our two-night stay at Whispers Estate, which, as we've already established from previous conversations that we've had, first night was kind of meh. meh, like n- nothing really. It was it was pretty quiet, and we were just making the joke of uh, you know for a place called Whispers Estate. Pretty quiet. Very quiet. Didn't get a single disembodied voice. I was really disappointed. Me I, too, honestly. I just wanted one. Just one. And, and it would have made it. Ironically it. enough, the only place I got a disembodied voice was at Rhodes. That's right. But we're going to save that for uh, mm, for another yes. episode. Not different episode. Now, the second night was really, really interesting, though, uh, because and, and it's, it's so funny. We walked away from Whispers. Most of us just kind of like rolling their eyes and saying like, yeah, not much to it. And almost to a certain extent, I did too. However, you and I got to experience something pretty unique and and pretty special, in in my opinion. And even that, like, we saw it, but, you know, after the experience is over, you're just kind of like, yeah, cool. That was happening. You know, it's like, why is it, why does this happen with paranormal events? I don't know. It's, It's like, there are very few... Holy shit moments that you have um, that, that, you know, within 24 hours just become mundane to you, you know? Well, I feel like, you know, what is that? Familiarity breeds contempt. We see a lot of weird shit. So comparatively, like. Okay, that's now that's that's true. But I would um, I actually think that there's a, a, a phenomenal aspect to it. And that's like, uh, what do they call it? Um, paranormal fatigue or. Uh, something of the sort. There's a better term for it that's just slipping my mind. I bet right there's now. a French word for it somewhere that's just beautiful. <laughs> but it has something to do with like just being drained, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I get that. Abs- like, I've experienced it numerous times uh, myself. As a matter of fact, I think one of the only ones that we've gone on where we saw something truly incredible that, like, really stuck with me and still does to this day 
was Brown Mountain. Yeah. Like the the lights thing, that did not leave me with fatigue. That left me with a high level of energy and a desperation to go down there and find out what in the hell that was I, that we saw. <laughs> the conversations we had in that parking lot between me, you, and Alan, when Alan was like, I can just run down there. And we're all like, it is midnight <laughs> and pitch black, Alan. And he's like, oh, it's like, well, like four miles? It's going like two hours. Like, no, absolutely not. So now that I know him, I would have said yes. Like, yeah. Next time he offers, I'm going to be like, Alan, go, brother, go. I think we need to schedule it because, like, legitimately, if we set up multiple groups, he knows that area so well that he'd just be like, oh, yeah, we should just go here. Mm, Okay. All right. So, uh, anyway, back to Whispers. First night was kind of a a bust. Um, You know, the the occasional noise, creeping, creeping creaking boards and uh the occasional footstep or yeah you guys stayed way later than i did because yeah we stayed uh, until the the i left at like midnight on the first night because i was exhausted and knew i had a a long three days and then a 10-hour drive ahead of me so i know know. uh so the uh the the second night things were a little bit different We covered most of this in the previous conversation so let's actually get to the meat and potatoes of of what made our experience uh, a little more special. And it all started when everybody was conglomerating in that second floor hallway next to the bathroom where the guy supposedly slipped and cracked his head. Well, I think um, what started it was you and I don't remember who else, maybe Walker, were seeing like little flashes of light in the hallway and that everybody kind of conglomerated and were like, oh shit, like there's orbs. Oh, that was was after this. Like the kickoff event was... Todd and I seeing the the shadows oh, yep, right. moving the, the bathroom. Yeah, I don't I don't think I was upstairs for that part specifically. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you made your way up there, and by that point, I think that's where we were all kind of looking around, like, "Did you see that? Did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you did see it? That? Like, little like Todd, you saw that, right? Okay, cool, awesome. It's not just me. And uh, we started getting a lot of them. And folks, for a basic understanding here, when people talk about orbs. It's not these giant balls of light that come rushing up to you, at least not normally. I mean, they've been known to on occasion, but usually what you see are are like these wistful, dim, fluttering lights that just kind of move like fireflies almost. The best way I ever heard and thought of describing it was if you remember the cartoons from the 80s, like the My Little Pony when they do the rainbow and you see like the sparkly, like following the rainbow, mm-hmm. that but absolutely no color. Like it's, you just see the little sparkles and it's almost like a, a wave for me. Like it kind of looks like you're dragging glitter across the sky. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like to me. Okay, so here's where it gets interesting. You say no color, but some of us saw colors. So. Well, for those specifically, like the glittery bits, for me, are always white. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't ever yeah. see, like, they're never red or green or, like, whatever. But the for main, o- other the main light can that moves be. it is known to change yeah, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, like, you guys see the main light a lot. I don't always see that. I more often see, like, the trail. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, it does. And we reference that uh, a whole lot uh, during our series on Waverly. Folks, mm-hmm. if you want to hear that, go back to season two. It's a phenomenal series. That is definitely something we described at Waverly. And that's exactly what I was seeing at, at uh, Whispers. But it was a little more dull, not quite as, as vibrant. And uh, it seemed – it didn't seem further away. It, it seemed actually smaller. Yeah. than what we saw at, at Waverly. Well, the light, I did see the specific lights at Waverly, 
and like the glittery trail. Mm-hmm. At Whispers, I only saw the trail. Oh, so you didn't see the pinpoint of light that was moving. No, no. For me, it looked like, I don't know how to describe it. If you, have you ever seen bioluminescent algae? Yeah, you yeah. drag your hand through the water and it just kind of like, it was like that for me. I think that that's going to make more sense here in a, a few minutes once we get to part two of this conversation. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Yeah. So um, pretty much everybody is is just aimlessly wandering around and following these lights. Some of us stay anchored in the hallway. Some of us go into one of the bedrooms. Some Never follow the lights. Always follow the lights. Not, follow not in all. Ireland. I will go into the woods. I will follow the lights. I will, uh, I will praise the abduction. Give it to me. I want it all. Careless um, disregard for personal safety. No. Uh, well, I mean, yes, but uh, uh, a true absolute starvation to experience more of it and and to allow myself to collect more data because as you know as i've been talking about for the last couple of weeks off of the mic i have things going on in my mind right now that are making me question everything including all of the different types of paranormal phenomena so like oh yes i'm aware i am evolving i am changing and i'm thinking about this in many many different ways that are uh i don't want to say they're unconventional but i i, I think it's being overlooked because Behold, a modern man. No. You're evolving. Jokes. I'm sorry, philosophy jokes. This is kind of what I do. Devolving, and maybe that's a good thing. I mean, anyway, all right. So back to the subject at hand. These little flecks of light uh, eventually led you and I into Henry's room, or it led me in there first, and I ended up going into the closet to do kind of like a sensory deprivation thing. Yes. And I was just kind of chilling, waiting for you to not be doing that i don't know what i was waiting for honestly i think, I think it was were, just I, something to I do think you were still sitting were you sitting over in the the girl's uh bedroom with jail maybe yeah 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 so i go into the closet to you know lock myself up completely lose any and all light unfortunately there are these three little glow-in-the-dark toys down there so what is this is like annoying ambient light you know right just enough like not enough to cast a shadow but enough to be like even if I close my eyes, I can just feel you there. <laughs> it's just not enough. But even then, I started to uh, hear and feel things move, mm-hmm. right? And what's amazing is that I am – I'm pretty sure this is just all disorientation. But I remember walking in there, like, with my light on low and then shutting the door and then turning the light off. And I sat there for a while and things started to move and shift around. Mm-hmm. I was like – Great. Okay. Now I'm going to sit here for a bit. And I want to say somebody called out to me from the hallway and I, or somebody asked where I was. So I was going to open the door and turn on my light. When I turned on my light, I was facing the other direction in the closet. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. I, cause I, I wrestled with that for a bit because I've been playing it back in my mind. Did I take a couple of steps, try to get situated, but no, I walked into that place and I backed myself up into the corner and then I took one step forward and then I killed the light and by the time I got done, it was like somebody turned me 90 degrees and I was now facing the inside of the closet door instead of that corner that I was standing in front of. Mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Um, but, you know, I like I have no proof of this. And so, therefore, the skeptical side of me says I probably just stepped. But it was disorienting. It was really, really weird. So worth noting, maybe nothing. But the whole point is to document it all. Right. So after that, I end up coming back out into the bedroom, kill the light. And I think 
I think that's when I came in. Yeah, you came in and we just kind of stood. Ah, that's right. We just kind of stood in the middle of the room for a minute, like looking around, listening. And we heard like the creaking over in the back far uh, right corner. And then you saw the shadows. And I saw the shadows. And then I started seeing the glitter. Exactly. Yeah. So I would like you to describe what you started to see. You caught it first. I was fixated on the, the shadows moving within shadows. But as soon as it ended up meeting up with what you were describing to me, then I locked into what you were seeing. Yeah. Okay. So um, at that point, we were both standing and I was like, you were like, oh, I see a shadow over here. And then I was like, that's weird because I see like the glittery trail and it was they were opposite sides, basically. Like I saw the glitter to the right and you saw the shadow to the left and we were both keeping our eyes on our whatever you want to call it. Like, you were watching the shadow, I was watching the glitter. And they started to, like, congeal above us. And, like, to me, I couldn't really see the shadow you were telling me about. But it just kind of looked like... uh, Do you ever see those photographs of, like, really faint galaxies? Mm Mm-hmm. Like that. Like, But it was super, super, super faint. Like, those pictures you're imagining in your head, way too bright. But it was almost like, yeah, oh, yeah. almost like a whirlpool of the glitter, I imagine, was getting sucked into the shadow. And it was kind of, like, spinning up above us. And then I think that's when we decided to lay on the floor and watch it. I didn't quite see it spinning. But as you were talking about, you know, the, the faraway shots of, like, galaxies and stuff, yeah, if you were to really really tone the brightness down until they're very very like faint. Yeah, yeah, incredibly very very faint. faint print it out on a poster and then have somebody start flapping it that's what it looked like to me because like when the two collided it was like whoosh like a wave yeah for um, me it was almost like a spinny like no like they come like like mm, two things going in opposite directions hit each other and then started spinning around one another if that makes sense like they were breaking apart but and now Spinning together. So, uh, again, here we go back to that whole thing of perception. It's like you and I are experiencing the exact same thing, but we're seeing it completely differently, which I've noticed has become like a common theme in all of this stuff. And it's something that people don't really talk about. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people use that as as like um, an attack on credibility of the situation. But the further you look into all of these phenomena, like it's – Everybody's brains work differently. Exactly, yeah. And like we may have like physically, you and I may have seen exactly the same thing. But both of us trying to describe it, we're using different words. We're using different imagery. We're using things that are like integral to us as people. Like I'm super into space stuff. So when I see things like that, I'm like, oh, that looks like – a galaxy and you're like oh it looks like x y and z because like it's the way our brains interpret things and the way we have to experience that and then also the way we can explain it to someone else exactly right right so all right and we're going to get back to explaining this here in a second so once we first started to notice it's this mixture of the two very different things that were happening to us like colliding we went back down on the floor yeah and, and just like it was happening oh, above us. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're here for this. Like, so let's nestle in for a minute. And then I had that really, really cold draft coming out from under the bed. Which I felt too. That was, yeah. um, it was pretty intense. As a matter of fact, you sat up and you were like, Can, is, is there a vent under there? And I'm like, I, I stuck my hand under and I could feel the breeze going. I'm like, there And I think be. we checked it, w- it when we turned the light on. Yeah, yeah. no vent. No vent at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a, it was like. An air conditioning unit blowing cold air. It wasn't just like, like, it was like, it was like an intense, 
like thermal front of cold air like Somebody coming out from under the bed. Somebody just opened the door uh, when a winter storm is going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it, there was a winter storm going on. It literally felt like the outside seeped in for, for just a few seconds. And it, like, I never noticed it after that. Like, after we were done in that room and left, like, I went back in that room multiple times. And never once did I feel that cold air coming out from under the bed again. Man, I really wish I, you know, the next, next piece of equipment is going to be uh, a thermal imaging system. I would have loved to have seen what was going on right there. Yeah, that, that was That amazing. was wild. I, I have no explanation for that. Like, no windows are cracked. No vents are underneath the bed. There's, uh, There was no reason to have that rush of cold air just appear out from underneath the bed and, like, yeah. slam into you. Like, it's an old house, but, like, they seem to have it sealed up pretty well, A. And, B, it was cold as hell outside. So I imagine if there was some sort of draft with that stuff all the time. Yeah. But it was just that one time. Yep. Yeah. Nuts. You and I kept staring at this for a while, and as you describe as galaxies, I think that's a pretty good uh, way of of describing it. But I was also seeing them move. It was almost like um, cosmic fireworks in slow motion. Yeah, yeah. They would, like, stretch out and move in different directions. Yes. Um, It was kind of like like, uh, arcing from one direction to the other and bouncing back and forth and, like, spinning around. Like somebody's having fun with the access at a planetarium almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, if it had been any brighter than it was, it probably would have made me nauseous. Huh. Okay. After a while, you're right, we ended up standing up. I can't remember why either, uh, other than the fact that maybe I was just starting to feel restless, which is always a possibility. Did um, something poke me? Is that what happened? I remember being poked, but I don't remember if it was there or somewhere else. Because I was the closest to the bed, because it was the bed maybe like six inches. If you were poked, and you never told me about it. You, right you, next you, to me. We were both, like you were more physically messed with a little bit later, and we'll talk about that here in a few, but that was pretty innocent. Um I don't remember you telling me about getting poked, though. I don't know. I think because I think Jill was in the room, and I like I noticed the draft, and then I joked, "If you're gonna touch me, don't do it." And then I think something like I felt like something poked me on my arm, kind of, and then I sat up, and then I think a minute later you sat up, and we both scooted down. Okay, actually, I do remember that, but. I don't remember you telling me that you felt poked. You just sat up and it was like, Ugh, and I'm like, you want to scoot? Yeah. Either way, like you felt uncomfortable, sat up, and we kind of shifted. I think we stayed there for a little while longer, but I can't remember exactly why we ended up like just getting up and departing the the because it was somebody came in with a light. Yeah, yeah, and it just kind of shot our night vision, and so we were like, yes. yeah, okay, yep, yeah. After that, we all just kind of hung around for a bit. and We and went downstairs and everybody had drinks. A snack. And, and, and when know. I say drinks, I mean like soda and coffee. Yeah. Um, and then I think um, Sonny and Walker were like just wasted, tired, and we're going to take a nap, right? Or was that – were they doing the, that while we were Yeah, they, they were yeah. sleeping that whole time, but it was around that time that they started to rouse up. So after everybody recharged, that's when I suggested that we do the uh, – Dual Estes sessions. Yeah, and I had a reason for uh, doing this, and I want to explain this before we go any further, is that for some reason, and I can't explain why, just instinctually, I felt like everything was centered on the second floor. I, I think it 
it might move between the the attic and the first floor. But from the moment we got there, I felt like second floor was a place to be. And I'm pretty sure I said that to you guys within the first hour that, that we were there. I'm like, second floor is where it's at. And so I wanted to run an experiment because it seemed like the first night and most and like the first part of the second night, there would be subtle phenomena. But any time that we would go to chase it, it would all of a sudden start to hint at us in various ways, whether it's through Nesta's session or through noises that, ha, 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 you're up there now, but now I'm down here. And it did this a few times. Yeah. And I think it makes a lot more sense when we take into consideration what happened to you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think we got a, a I think we got a couple of pranksters on our hands, actually. <laughs> and uh, it, it makes sense when you look at the some of the supposed spirits that are there. Now, the way I had it in my head is if, if this phenomenon is bouncing through all of these floors and kind of running away from the experiments that we're doing, how about we sandwich them in? We have somebody do an Estes session on the top floor in the attic. We have somebody else do one simultaneously downstairs. In the doctor's reception room. In the doctor's reception room. And see if we can essentially funnel the phenomena onto the second floor. And you and I would sit there in the dark or low light um, and observe and see what happens i think it was on the dark most of the time most of the time uh, on occasion we would flip on our uh, phone screens just for uh reference points so we knew where each other were yep and um even sometimes when we would switch those on some of those shadow phenomena were still there not very clear like i saw at least one behind you i think you said you saw one next to me little like a little one like a kid mm-hmm so that was the thing is we're sitting there in the shadows for a while in total silence, just kind of soaking it in. After a while, we started to get some strange phenomenon. And um, the first things that we saw were the what looked like the shadows of somewhere between seven and ten year old kids. Yeah, well, there was so there was a where you were sitting like directly across from me down the hallway mm-hmm. to your uh, right my left was a window that was sealed, mm-hmm. but there was just like a little crack, like in the, whatever they do to cover the glass. Slit, yeah. And like, like it was just enough light to be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, like I could see you, like you, like I knew where you were and you weren't moving, but there was something that was going back and forth and interrupting that little sliver of light. And, and it, it was wasn't like, me because I was way off were, to the left. And uh, you were sitting. Yeah. And it was like, shoulder height to this chair like here like that tall maybe so what three feet yeah runabouts yeah yeah so while that was going on on the occasion on on a few occasions you would turn on the screen on your phone and i would see something similar back behind you it didn't move it just stayed there every time that you would turn that light on i would just barely see it right off to the you know your right my left Eventually, we're sitting there just watching these shadows move, and and you start talking about um, actually having physical interactions going on. So, yes, explain that. Oh, I think we're sitting there, and like I have really long. They're I would are they dangly? I don't know that I consider these dangling earrings. They're probably an inch and a half long. It's one piece of wire that's screwed in kind of a double helix shape you, you go it goes through your lobe and it hangs down and it hangs about halfway down my neck um 
And, like, I never take them out. They're in my ear all the time. I know exactly what they feel like. I'm used to moving around with them. I know what it feels like. They are a part of you at this point. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Almost as permanent as my facial piercings. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting in this chair. We cut all the lights. And you told me there was something next to me. And i had been telling you about the shadow I could see. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I just feel this earring, like, bouncing. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's flicking it with a finger. Just, like. <laughs> Boop, boop, boop. And I'm just like, I just, I don't even know that I said anything. I just went, ugh. And you were like, are you okay? Yeah. And I was like, somebody's playing with my earring. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is what you said. It, uh, and I think it was around the same time that I felt a hand on my arm too. And um, this went on for a while. It was really subtle because they started messing, they started tugging on your hair too, right? Oh, no, something stroked my face. That's right. That's yeah. Right. No, something was playing with my hair, but like I have curly-ish hair. If you pull on it, and it just bounces back up, like like Shirley Temple curls. Mm-hmm. But like that happened once or twice, and I was just like, "Please stop!" <laughs> and then that stopped, and then I just felt like two fingers like just drag down my cheek, and I was like, "Please stop touching me!" And you were like, "Please stop touching her." <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to reiterate. Well, as and um, as this was going on with you, uh, I think it was around then that I started to see the eyes, right? I think so, yeah. In the corner? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Meg had mentioned that she saw something. All right. And I want to point out here that whatever we, we experienced or whatever we interacted with was very childlike in nature. Yeah. Like, it, I didn't, it didn't feel unsafe. It just felt like... Well, it's still creeping you out because it's a I can ghost. touch this. Yeah. Oh, I can interact with this. What are these pointy, dangly things? <laughs> Look at her hair. Half her head shaved. What a weirdo. Boink, boink, boink. <laughs> like. You are oddly dressed for the age. Yeah, exactly. You sure this is a girl? Um, around that time, I'm just kind of sinking into the darkness, and I, I notice this little glint over in the right of my eye. And so I turn over, and I see what look like two incredibly dim candles. And then they blink at me. (laughs) (laughs) I was seeing two glowing eyes, but here's the thing. Um, It's not like, uh, you know, what we, what I experienced at Waverly with like the, the glowing red eyes and the, the shadow entities. This, this was like a soft Amber glow, almost like the, they generated warmth when I looked at him, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of cock my head. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, am I really seeing this? And then it blinks and then it ducks and then it moves over closer to the wall. And at that point, I'm like, okay. All right. I literally think we had been silent for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. And like, we're sitting there and you just go, what the hell? And I was like, <laughs> Are you okay? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I, I think. I'm good. Just give me a minute. But like just out of the darkness, I hear, what the hell? Yeah. So I I see this and, and uh, eventually like, you know, we keep saying that the longer you look, you can eventually see shadows. And yes, folks, I know what pareidolia is. And I promise you this ain't it. This shape of a, a small humanoid figure with, with soft orange glowing eyes moves its way up towards me and I stick out my hand and I think you heard me say like do you want to hold my hand and it did I didn't feel like a hand I just felt like uh 
air pressure uh, and cool, not cold, but cool to the touch. Like at that moment, I think I just kind of went into a daze because I've never experienced anything like this in my entire life. And around that time is when I start looking over to the left corner of my eye as I'm apparently holding the hand of a shadow. Yes, I know how this sounds. I really do. Um, it's not crazy, I swear. But, but, uh, seriously, you, you know what? Don't knock it till you try it. I mean, if, you, if you're that much of a skeptic, I seriously suggest that you go out there and try to experience these things for yourself. That's you our next lucky. t-shirt idea. Hug a ghost. A good ghost. So I'm holding the shadow with my right hand, and on, on the left-hand side, I look over, and I can feel the hand kind of dissipate in my palm. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing something. I'm not going to say what just yet. But I start seeing this amazing display that I can't, like, we're going to do our best to describe it. And from the other side of the hallway, I'm pretty sure that Meg could only hear, wow. No, I believe you said, holy shit. (laughs) Holy shit. And I was like, what, what? And you're like, I. Just just give give me a minute. I can't describe it. And. That's where it gets really interesting is like, I have no words for what I'm seeing right now. And I don't even know if you heard me, but I I turned and I just leaned down and I said, I would really like you to show my friend what you're showing me right now. If you would show her what you're showing me, I would really appreciate it. And I think she's going to love it, please. And what I was seeing literally slipped away from my field of vision down into the seam of the hallway of which you were sitting on the very opposite end of the second floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mind you, we couldn't see each other unless we kind of leaned over the frame a little bit. Like so we could see like part of each other. John was sitting in a room at the end of the hallway. Mm-hmm. Like if you look straight down from where I'm sitting, like he was just slightly beyond the right-hand side of the door frame into that long room. And I, from his point of view, would have been just out of frame on the left-hand side of the door frame. But you could see almost all the way down to me, and I could see almost all the way down to him. If we had, like, shifted our seats a little bit, we could have been in direct eye contact the whole time. If if we leaned our heads a little to the right, Yeah. yeah, we could see each other. But... So anyway, I'm watching this phenomenon slip down and like literally swirl out of my vision, slips down, slides into the hallway. And then the next thing I hear is shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, um, I didn't tell her what I was seeing. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I mean, honestly, I still don't think I really have the words to describe, but whenever she said that, I'm like, are you seeing stuff? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to tell me what you were seeing. I believe exactly what I said was, have you ever seen those old movies from the 50s where fire is climbing up a wall and across the ceiling? And you said, yes. And I said, cool. That, but it's purple, and it's not that bright. Yes. And that is pretty close to it, although the way that I was seeing it on my end it was much more wider and vibrant, so it by by the time it left where I was, it was almost like Aurora Borealis, which you made a description of a little bit later. Yes. So it started small for you and then built up in the hallway, right? Yeah. And for me, for you, you said it went along the floor. For me, when I saw it, it was like like coming 
um, under the door, fr- like, like right. the, the arch of the door, and then onto the ceiling. It went everywhere. And then down the walls. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it started on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, it started kind of like in the bottom left wall of where I was. And then it moved out in front of me, and then it kind of crept up the banister, and then it waved back, and then moved up the wall on the ceiling. Then it came back down, and that's when I asked it to go to you. Yeah, the first time I saw it was it was like... Like coming, uh, like if you look at a door frame, the top of a door frame, it was like along that, and then up the front, and then up across the ceiling, so and then wild. down both walls. <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, fuck." I want to point out like how crazy this sounds. <laughs> like hearing us talk about it, I am well aware of how absolutely crazy this sounds. So like I, I, like, I honestly have no words for it. It was beautiful. Um, you also described like, and it moved and kind of transformed as it hung around for a bit. Yeah. And at one point, you described it as bioluminescent uh, algae. And, and I think that's a great way to describe it because it had those waves of purple that would actually fling off small flecks of, like, turquoise or green. Yeah. Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite, like, a vibrant green for me. It was definitely more like sea foam. Or, yeah. Yeah. For, like, for me, too, when I'm describing these things, I don't want you to think that it was, like, you know, you everybody's seen pictures of the Aurora Borealis, right? How yeah. vibrant and bright and, like... It's there. It, uh, it was not like that. Very, very It was dull. super faint. Like, yeah. it was the Aurora Borealis if I was looking at it through 15, like, sheets of gauze. Aurora Borealis if you were wearing high-grade sunglasses. No, not quite well. <laughs> you wouldn't see anything. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Like, none of this was vibrant or, or, like, it's not something that was casting a shadow. And this is what makes me think we're talking about something that was more of a... a a psychic display instead of like a physical display yes yeah. yeah like it was in my brain and not on the wall yeah but what was interesting is that as the light moved it maintained within the frames of the rooms and the spaces we were in yes and so as we're it describing it to shape. each other it, like uh, it's moving the same way for both of us mm-hmm. yeah it's it's curious like i don't know what in the hell we experienced uh in, in that in that second floor experiment, but I want to go try it again. I would definitely love to try it again. I walked away from that with a full heart because I honestly, like that that was a really beautiful experience. And I think whatever was there, uh, if there was anything with intelligence, there sharing the space with it, with us, it was, um, very kind. And, uh, yeah, I didn't feel like at no point, in either of the two days that we were in Whispers, did I feel unsafe? Mm-hmm. Like, was having my cheek stroked by something I couldn't see slightly disconcerting? Absolutely. Did I feel like it was going to hurt me? No. I mean, I don't care who you are. You get touched by a ghost, it's going to make you go, oh, okay. Just, yeah, cool. I don't like you too, but no. Uh, do you know what I read yesterday? What? Do you know why ghosts say boo? Why? Because it's Latin for I am alarming. To alarm. It's like the verb to alarm. So actually what ghosts are saying is I'm yelling. Huh. But are they really ghosts? Who knows? But apparently they're I, I got to reel it in. I got to reel it in. Uh, yeah, I'll start <laughs> rambling again. God damn. I need to go lock myself away in a cabin for like two months and write this out, I think. Yeah. I think there's a documentary coming out of this, to be honest. You want to borrow my shed? You got one? Yeah. 
Does that have electricity? Uh, it could. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Why not? All right. So uh, anyway, um, so much editing to do on this conversation. Um, <laughs> Sorry. For all the stuff that we've done together, mm. the, the two things that were like the most just like holy fuck mm-hmm. was that and Brown Mountain. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Like Waverly was cool. Yeah, Waverly shook my soul, but it was also talking directly to me. So, <laughs> uh, but like Brown Mountain and Whispers were like the two where I was like, "Hot damn, this is some shit." I I, I want to return to both of those places and and see if we can repeat the exact phenomena because on both occasions, I will admit, not what I was expecting when I went to those places, but what we got was fucking amazing. It was, what we got was beautiful. I do love that that old professor was like, nobody ever sees them the first night. Or just like, um. <laughs> you mean those? <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, folks, if you want reference for that, again, go back to, um, oh, God, that was season one, wasn't it? Wow. Uh, go back to our uh, last three or four episodes. That's right. As we are recording this, XV Planets turns two years old tomorrow. Although those first eight episodes will be... Lost to the cosmos for all time. We still started on April 1st, believe it or not. Uh, I joined this merry band of lunatics on uh, October 21st. That's true. Yeah. And you've been an invaluable uh, part of it ever since. Yay. Uh, any final thoughts of that particular experience or any final thoughts on Whispers? Not particularly. I don't know how to describe myself because I feel like all this incredibly cool awesome shit happens to me and i'm just like cool like i don't know that it affects me as much as it would other people and i i don't meg you have a baseline that very few things can take you (laughs) off of that's really what it boils down to paranormally one of them it's just Uh, like uh, whatever i mean you know what the mothership could land and the reptilians could come rolling out and you would just kind of like cock your head and be like you like sushi (laughs) let's get some ramen uh no i think i described it once where i was like is it's cool and it's interesting and it's fun but like an alien like the ufo could land in front of me and it would not materially change my existence (laughs) if that makes any sense (laughs) it does that's yeah actually you know what i'm gonna release the entire uncut version of this on patreon just for gits and shiggles yeah absolutely yeah yeah Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> for sharing your experiences and your your point of view on that. Um, it's unfortunate that that uh, very few people had something even relatively close uh, to that happen to them. But um, I think it's worth going back and trying again. So uh, Indiana, sometime in the next uh, three years, we'll be back. I want to get a cot and sleep in the disco room. If they would only let us. Mm. You know, no, we we tried to stay there for the whole time because I wanted us to to stay, especially on like the the second round. We would have had enough people that we could have done shifts. People could have slept and, and napped out and stuff like that. But you know, we're not a uh, a big budget travel uh, channel company. <clears throat> but we're cooler. <laughs> Anything's cooler than that. All right, Mac. Thanks for joining us. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon when we do the follow up to this, where we talk about Rhodes Hotel. Arrivederci.
I still struggle to find the words to describe how truly beautiful this experience was, and how surreal it was. To quote Jodie Foster in Contact, they should have sent a poet. I'm looking forward to returning to Whispers eventually to see if I can replicate these events. Even though that was certainly the high point of the investigation, we still had one more oddity occur as we prepared to depart. So to talk about that, I'm going to welcome Sonny back into the Black Lodge to talk ever so briefly about this strange finale. After that kind of faded out and the Estes sessions broke down, we all just kind of putzed around for a bit, shuffled, looked around. Nothing was really happening, but we started to inch towards the idea of like, let's let's kind of wrap this night up. And I suggested to you, Hey, got the Ouija board. Maybe we should give this a shot. Now I feel obligated to give our audience just like a little bit of a, an understanding as to why this is important. And I'll do a super condensed version and say that Sonny and I have been doing some, uh, Ouija based experiments over the course of the last couple of months. Weekly. As well as often as, often as, yeah, as we as, can, yeah. yeah, when we can, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna give them the whole tamale here. Don't do um, it. We're not using the board and the concept the way most people would. So we'll we'll come back to this in the future. But let's just say that maybe we're tapping into something that's maybe a little bit closer to home than further away. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So anyway, um, throughout the course of our Ouija experiments, we have had this repeat occurrence that keeps coming up. And I want to note that since we've started this experiment, this always, well, typically takes place within the boundaries of the studio, within the Black Lodge itself. This is where we always do it. And over the course of several experiments, we kept getting this repeat. Mm-hmm. That would keep bringing us back to the number nine. So much that it would just make us like it felt like a joke after a while because it's like there's no way you're going to keep telling us this. Kept kept bringing us nines nonstop, and this uh, again. This is all within the Black Lodge within the studio, and then. While we were out at Whispers, I happened to have the Ouija board. Oh wait, no, we used the one that was there, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So there was there were numerous Ouija boards. Oh, that's around. another level. Yeah, yeah. Didn't think about that. So we used a different board. We used one that was supplied by the house in this scrying room on the second floor, which mm-hmm. was on the left side of the landing that we were talking about. And it immediately started going back to nine and it went back to it a few times. <laughs> now, I don't know what in the hell that means, but I can tell you that Sonny and I are working on this, like, Ouija theory concept and I'm, I'm you know mum's a word at this point we're going to come back to this but there's something going on here it's still ongoing yes yes yeah it's and there it's not just the nine that gets repeated either because we think it gets lost for a second and it keeps going to that picture that, that is illustration right. yeah so that's, that's also another level but to be continued later yeah, you can expect a uh, three-part series on uh, talking boards or um, other forms of talkative div- divination Yeah, uh, sometime this year because there, there's something to it. 
the nine thing really drives me crazy. It really does. I don't know. Especially yeah. when it gets to the point that as soon as we start feeling it move, you and I look at each other and like. It's going it's that direction. Gonna, it's going to do it. It's going to do it. And as soon as it gets to nine, like, God damn it. Enough. Enough. Enough the nine. Nine, nine, nine. Nine. All right. Whispers have stayed all around. And honestly, at this point, I can say the same thing about any quote unquote like uh, haunted tourist location that we've hit up, whether it be Sally House or, or whatever. You may not get the phenomenon that other people have reported there, but you may actually get something. It's just probably not going to be what you expect. Yeah. And the point of mentioning that experiment that we've been working on, too, is it happened again outside of, of the, the studio. Control area. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting part of it, too. That one threw me. Not even our same board. Not even our same board. Not the same location. Yet we're still getting the same results. Was not even on my mind when we started it, but I got to tell you, the second that the fucking planchette moved, I was like, God damn it. Mm-hmm. God damn it. It's, yeah. Yeah, we weren't even thinking about that. And then it, because we were just in a different location. I mean, it was a different point, experiment. And then, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. you just laugh. Well, hopefully we're right. What does it mean? What does it mean? This is Halloween. This, this is, is Halloween. 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 No, not yet. All right. Um, Halloween is a state of mind, just saying. I stick with ministry. Every day is Halloween. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, Sonny, thank you so much for your point of view on Whispers Estate. Personally, I wouldn't mind going back there again just to see if I can stir up the same phenomena that Meg and I experienced last time. Yeah. So I won't even go there for what everybody else is reporting. Now I want to go back and see if I can repeat what I experienced. What was different, too, is that. I'm just now recalling the second night, or the first night we didn't get dark. The second night is when it occurred to us to go completely dark. That's when we and did the two And that's when we started sessions. seeing more. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's a lot to that. I mean, this leads right back into the concept of it. The, the more um, continuous access you have to a place, the more you're going to be able to confirm your data. So everybody cross your fingers that I win the lottery and then I will go purchase a Sally house next (laughs) month and um, we'll find out what's really happening there. I agree. All right. Let's do it. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you. I'd like to thank Meg and Sonny for joining me on this episode to review our time at Whispers Estate, and a huge thank to the owners and staff of Whispers for the opportunity to explore this piece of Midwestern mystery. Join us again in two weeks when Sonny will return to review the very first paranormal investigation we ever went on, Edwards Road in North Carolina. In the meantime, if you're craving more XV Planets, consider donating to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash xvplanets, where you'll gain access to our exclusive content. There's a whole other separate series on there, as well as extended interviews, exclusive episodes with special guests, and much more. And for all of our subscribers, you can expect a double whammy of transmissions from the void coming later this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere as XV Planus, and you can follow my personal misadventures and music projects at Folds and Floods on those same platforms. Links for both are in the show notes. If you like what we do here, head on over to iTunes or Spotify to rate and especially review us. And tell your friends about us. Tell your families about us. Hell, yell at random people in the library about us. 
Well, maybe not that one. You might get into a little trouble. We are a DIY independent production, and the only way that we will grow is by you sharing us with others who might enjoy taking this trip. Be sure to check out all of the great shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network, like Grognostics, Luxicult, Unearthing Paranormalcy, and more. While the website isn't quite up to date yet, you can go to www.greenmushroomproject.com and add that to your bookmarks to keep up with the network in the future. The show is produced in the Black Lodge, wherever that resides in this particular moment of time and space, and it is written, edited, and scored by yours truly. Music from the show can be found on my Bandcamp page for Folds and Floods or anywhere you stream your music. High praise and thanks to Sonny and Ren for our updated logo, and many thanks to Meg, who manages most of our social media. No part of this show or its music may be reproduced without consent. Copyright Folds in Floods Productions. Once again, I am your host, Flood, and this has been XV Planets. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. I'll see you in the between. In abambratio, in fluctus, sub velo. <laughs>